Our work at KEHI matters, not only to impact the lives of our retail partners and suppliers, but to make a difference in our families, our communities, and even the world. Hello, my name is Adrienne Binder, and I'm your host for Fruit of Your Labor, a KEHI podcast. We aspire to update you on what's happening at KEHI and inspire you with the amazing stories of how you are working to make lives better. Enjoy the episode. The KEHI Cares Foundation has an impact fund that supports entrepreneurs around the world. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with the president of the KEHI Cares Foundation, Rusty Bland, to learn more about what impact investing at KEHI means. After speaking with Rusty, we'll hear from two representatives from PureFlow to learn more about their lease-to-own program that their organization runs in East Africa and how KEHI is helping it grow. Rusty, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. To start off, let's make sure everyone understands what impact investing is. We know that there are three pillars of the KEHI Cares Foundation, serving and giving, the Leadership Academy, and then impact investing. So can you explain what impact investing is for those of us who may not have ever heard of it before? Absolutely. So one thing I would do just to start us out is to remind everybody what the vision is for the KE Cares Foundation. So what's the why? The why is for people suffering from poverty and abuse and those marginalized and forgotten, that they would experience dignity, grace, justice, and restoration. And I start there because all three pillars of the foundation are linked in different ways to try to solve that challenge. Poverty has so many different elements to why it exists and how people get into that situation. And so solutions need to be also nuanced and complex. One of the ways to maybe think about impact investing is think about business as actually mission. So business itself becomes the way that you deal with people that are in these marginalized situations. So impact investing as we define it, and it's critical that I say we define it because sometimes you hear impact investing and it can mean all all kinds of things. And it can be called social justice investing. It can be climate related. It could be, you know, involving a lot of things. We think about impact through the lens of our vision for people that are in these marginalized and at risk situations. So using business or commerce as a way to lift people out of that situation to change their narrative, not just that it's business, but that it's actually creating jobs. We see it as this continuation of people that are really kind of struggling. Sometimes they need a handout. You just need to get them on their feet. And as you get them on their feet, they might need help, you know, kind of a hand up to keep going. And that's really what serving and giving that pillar is all about. As people move along that restoration journey, it's more about, well, how do I sustainably care for myself? How do I sustainably now care for my family? Sometimes it extends out to a whole community and commerce or jobs are that way. And that's what that second pillar is about. For us, impact investing would mean that we look for ways to make loans or make investments that do get paid back, but the funds themselves help jumpstart a business or they help scale a business from a startup to, you know, where they can actually hire more employees and actually start having a, you know, a bigger footprint. Impact investing, as we see it, is a way of deploying the capital that we have in the foundation for that kind of impact. It's a more scaled way of changing that problem of poverty and, you know, kind of a whole community that's marginalized. 
where did the idea for the foundation to start impact investing originate? This is something that's a little bit newer, right? Yeah, exactly. We've been doing serving and giving for 15 plus years. Giving for longer than that, it goes back to Art Cahey, really, on the giving side. And so as we were seeing Cahey's success, we started realizing that the dollars that are going to come into the foundation were going to grow dramatically from what we had been working with in the past. Remember that Cahey donates 10% of its net income every year to the foundation. And then the foundation deploys that capital in these you know, ways that we've started to describe around different pillars, focused on that challenge of our vision statement. So we saw the results take off for Cahey, and we knew that that surplus capital coming into the foundation would grow. And the first commitment that we have is to fund all the activities that happens with serving and giving. But we do that in a very relational, very intentional, hard to scale way. And so we knew there'd be leftovers. There'd be dollars left over and that those dollars continue to grow. And so what do you do with that surplus? Well, we started researching building an endowment. And for many foundations that come into existence, they, they have a big event where the foundation receives a very large sum of money that I call the iceberg, if you will, and that the foundation then manages the melt over time. And they take that melt or that interest and they use that only for impact. And as we started envisioning this larger endowment starting to form, we were not satisfied with the notion that we would only be using the interest. We wanted the principal as well to be used for impact. So we started investigating that community and we started finding high impact, but yet investable situations where we could deploy that capital. The thought about an endowment is really, there's several kind of elements to that. One is sustainability for the foundation over the long term. You build an endowment for that rainy day. If there's a year where Cahey can't fund the foundation at all, what do you do? We've, we've made all these commitments. We started to build up an infrastructure. The endowment is a way to allow that sustainability of giving and an impact regardless of what might happen in a typical season uh, for Cahey. Or as we think down the road, more donors than just Cahey being involved in the foundation. So sustainability is a big thing. And then also as the foundation grows, an endowment allows you to respond quickly to a need or to be aggressive around a strategy where you don't have to wait for donor to respond. You've already kind of got it in the storehouse. Now that we have a better understanding of what impact investing is, can you explain a little bit about how it works? What are the requirements that have to be met in order for an organization to receive support from Cahey's Impact Fund? So as I said previously, as we were investigating how to actually deploy these surplus funds and build an endowment and realized that we really wanted it to be for impact, we didn't want it to be in treasury bills or sitting in some other kind of investments that are typical for foundations, not a bad thing, but we started looking at what other kinds of investments might there be that are impact investments, while at the same time understanding that we want to mitigate our risk on those investments a bit. We don't want to just start finding any startup in you know, an East African country that we're distant from and that somehow we're then combing the earth for these opportunities. Instead, we discovered this community of like-minded foundation leaders or high net worth family offices or individuals that were, call it philanthropic, with how they wanted their own dollars to go to work. And so many, many investment opportunities began to surface. So for us, we started looking at, okay, it has to meet this vision statement of the marginalized and forgotten, and that they would go through this restorative journey around dignity, grace, justice, and restoration. And so that's the bullseye 
does the investment match that? These deals started coming into us and our propensity was to try to make investments that were not too risky. And so what started to kind of materialize are these funds where they had different investments within them. And then we as the investor are one of maybe hundreds of investors. The risk is mitigated across multiple companies and then multiple investors and we're a part of a fund. So as we're looking for investable opportunities, we're using that kind of a framework to say, does it align with the primary vision statement of the KE Cares Foundation, meaning you know, marginalized communities, whether it be in the US, a lot of these are international. We're looking for the ability for it to be sustainable as opposed to creating dependence in some way. It's also focused on independence, not just creating dependence. And we want to see people have jobs that are paying thrivable wages. And so, you know, kind of the other requirements would be, do they have the proper documentation? We can't just go find somebody and go, hey, we're going to invest in you. It needs to have a legal compliance. Our legal team is very involved in all the investments we make. Organization is a critical one. They have all the processes. They have all the documentation. It's very similar to mutual funds that we might invest in personally. In a few minutes, we're going to speak with Jared and Judith from PureFlow to learn about their lease to own motorcycle program. But before we hand it off to them, can you talk a little bit about how Kehi first heard about PureFlow? PureFlow was one of the investment opportunities that came to us out of the impact investing community that we now are a part of. We started hearing about deals through a variety of investors, but there one in particular, Greg Lernahan, has a family office. We were introduced to Greg through Brandon Barholt. So Brandon connected us and then Greg took me under his wing and he introduced us to PureFlow. When we heard their story and how they took on personal risk to get this going and their heart towards sustainable job or business ownership in this case to be used as a transformative force for good or impact, it was just such a perfect example of the type of investment that we want to have more and more of in our portfolio. They have also been introducing us to other folks. And so that's been a really great relationship that we've enjoyed and look forward to at some point going and meeting some of the motorcycle drivers that we actually now have the pleasure of being in relationship to fund. And so they can you know, get to a place where they can actually own their own boda bodas, as they're called. It's just really a delight. And I know that PureFlow is growing. And so for us, we're actually making additional investments as we go. It's a great place to be able to put some of these funds that our employees have earned. And again, as, as we think about fruit of your labor and we think about this being another example of the hard work that employees are putting in every day, sometimes scratching your head like, why am I doing this? Well, when you hear from PureFlow and you hear these stories, fill in that blank of why am I doing this with, oh, I'm helping some people that I'll never meet change their lives and the lives of their families. And so it's just a real delight to be able to come alongside folks like the PureFlow team. Rusty, I just want to thank you for you know joining me and really explaining how this new pillar of the foundation works. Switching gears now, we're going to speak with impact investing partner PureFlow. And with me today from PureFlow is Jared Folks and Judith Ankunda. Jared and Judith, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited for this conversation. Let's start by getting to know a little bit about both of you. Can you tell us about yourselves and your roles with PureFlow? 
I'm Jared. As you mentioned, my wife and I, we have a little eight-month-old that we are enjoying this season of life in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, 8,000 miles away, I get to serve a part of an awesome team in East Africa, specifically in the country of Uganda. And uh, my role primarily on the team is to help us kind of navigate creating the culture that we want to have. So that's hiring, promoting, training, so underneath people and culture, and then also actively looking for cultivating relationships with and serving our partners who are impact investors, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then Judith is uh, one of our branch directors, and I'll let her explain a little bit about her background and how she got connected to the PureFlow. All right. Thanks, Jared. I am Judith Ankunda, and I'm the branch director. I take care of all branches. Uh, that's huge. I am married, and together with my husband, Jonas, we have one baby girl, Sima Janelle. She's two years old. She's very amazing. She's learning to speak. She attends at daycare, and whenever she comes back, we have of endless stories and so much fun at home. So at PureFlow, being a branch director, I lead teams. I oversee all the operations across the four branches, Barara, Ivanda, Yantonde, and Ishaka. And I lead a team of 34 that are in different locations. And I oversee their professional and personal development, do trainings, mentorship for leaders, lead the spiritual growth team. I lead the member services team, the finance team, and all of those are working together to make sure that we add value to the members that come for our services, acquire these assets from the time they are launched to the time of ownership. We get to walk this journey with them and it is very interesting. Uh, It sounds like you both have some pretty big jobs to do. So before we kind of dive into, you know, what's happening today, let's start from the beginning. What inspired the founder of PureFlow, Colin Wenrick, to initially start this organization? That's a great question. The story is the best part. It's what inspired me to be a part. And it's what has inspired many, many others to be a part of what we see God is doing in East Africa through PureFlow. So Colin and myself, we are now business partners. But before we were colleagues in university. And uh, he graduated from Liberty University with a commercial aviation degree. So he was going to fly planes for some major airline and he kind of got derailed and ended up in Western Uganda. That's not a typical story, but uh, he found himself deep in Western Uganda and he started a nonprofit. In 2017, after he'd lived there for a few years, he was challenged to be sustainable and he didn't really know what that looked like. And then God revealed to him that there were hundreds of motorcycle taxi drivers all around him in this small little town in Western Uganda called Rukinjiri. He got to know these Boda Boda drivers and he realized very quickly that they did not own the motorcycle that they were using to transport people and goods day in and day out working 14, 15, 16, 17 hours a day, seven days a week to be able to make ends meet for their families and to hopefully pursue some of their dreams. And so PureFlow was started by this vision that it would be a sustainable approach to funding the nonprofit. So with $6,000 in his bank account, he emptied his life savings. He submitted this lease to own program so that people can move to ownership of this asset. And over 24 hours, he had 250 applicants. So he only had $6,000. That buys six motorcycles. So he had a slight gap there and he selected six. And the two commitments he had these six men make were one, you're going to pay every single week, the same amount you are paying someone else to never own the motorcycle. You just pay it to pure flow. And in two years, you own the motorcycle. The second thing was when you pay, you're going to come to my house and I'm going to feed you a meal around the table and we're going to join in fellowship. We're going to open the Bible together and we're going to just journey through life together. And so from there, that's what the launch of PureFlow was in 2017. And the model has stayed very similar, actually. 
We still make a contract with all of our members, pay on a weekly basis for one to two years, and they join us around the table every single week when they pay. It's just grown a little bit from six to 3,000 nearly now and eight locations instead of just one. So we are inviting people every single week to come when they make a payment to join us around the table. And we're praying that they're going to have spiritual change in their life while also breaking free of this financial dependency that they found themselves in in order to make an income for their families. What a cool story. That's amazing that Colin was able to just take that $6,000 and build this amazing organization that impacts so many people. Really was everything he had. That's not an exaggeration. Think about it. He left college, went straight to Africa, and he didn't really have a time to build up a savings account. That is what he had in his account. And it was from many hours of prayer underneath trees, as he would share with you, and really just the intentionality to know these people who are just overlooked. There are roughly 50 million people in the country of Uganda. It's about the size of the state of Oregon. One million people are estimated to be doing this every single day, riding a motorcycle from point A to point B, delivering people and goods to their destination. A high, high percentage don't own the motorcycle. So we believe the market's really big to have you know, many more opportunities to serve tens of thousands, if not more people with our program and our model. So you mentioned that most of the people that are driving these motorcycles don't own them. Can you explain a little bit about what the benefits are of actually owning the motorcycles? Yeah. To reiterate the problem, we are so used to, specifically in in the U.S., the ability to go finance. We have access to all sorts of loans to build wealth, pursue dreams, to achieve goals. Uh, In most of the developing world, but we'll speak specifically to Uganda, there's not access to affordable financing. You cannot go to a bank. So you say, why don't these men and women just go to a bank and get a loan on this motorcycle? Well, that's not an option for high down payments, extremely high interest rates. And then also they have to put up some serious collateral, which many of them don't have. And so that's why PureFlow can solve that problem for them. The benefits are amazing for these members. And as you kind of learned about the model a little bit, I'd love for Judith to share some of the benefits that our members are getting and why it's really valuable that they can be a part of PureFlow. Yes, uh, thank you so much, Jared. Just like you said, the benefits are quite a lot. And the border border riders, a majority of them were not owning these motorcycles. That means as they get this motorcycle from the rightful owner, they will keep riding, paying their weekly monies uh, to them. And by the end of even 10 years, there is no hope for owning this asset. And that means even if you're riding this motorcycle and it's two years down the road and the owner wants money, you wants to get out of business, that very day you get unemployed. So that was a very big problem that has been affecting and was affecting most of these people in our communities. And owning an asset or owning this a motorcycle uh, means a lot in regards to financial freedom, because that means uh, this member will come with the hope of, I am going to ride this motorcycle. It is mine. There is that sense of entitlement. And that helps more with setting of goals and dreams because they can anticipate that after the two years, I'll be in position to own this asset and I can use it to generate revenue, to run my home, to take my children to school, to get other businesses. And with Pure Flow, I know these people come with a lot of fears of the unknown because this is a two-year contract, a one-year contract, and they are not sure of what is going to happen along the way. Am I going to make it to the end? They come with that fear, and as they come, 
they find a very different environment with people that are loving, that have the care, that are praying. And actually, we aim at more than just a motorcycle because at the point of ownership, we believe we have empowered this member spiritually. They have been discipled. They have got social capital. They have learned how to manage their finances. With this ownership, that means for the weekly installments, they can now put this money aside and run their needs at home. They have been able to take their children to school. With a Pure Flow, I've been here for four years and I've seen quite amazing developments with these members that are moving to ownership because even the public perception was very different of these are people that have failed in life, which was also not a reality. Why? Because I believe they also have goals, but they were just unemployed with no hope of what to do and not getting any revenues. But with now this ownership, I've seen uh, members who have owned more than one asset and they are employing others. I have seen some who have used these assets to grow their businesses because maybe I have a diary farm and I cannot get enough supply or I cannot take my products to the market. But with this asset now owned, yet they would be hiring it at a very high pay. Now they can use it to run their business and grow it. And also some of them are married. They have families entirely depending on their husbands for survival. But then with this ownership, some of them are strategic to sell these owned assets, come back for more and use the money that they have acquired to start businesses for their families. And they are thriving in that way. So with so many people that come with different goals and intentions, we'll have to support them. And they have been able to realize their dreams at the point that they get to own these assets. I love that model. Judith, you mentioned a few stories of things that people have done because of being through this program. Are there any other stories that you can share of just the major impact that Pure Flow has had on individuals? I'll start with the post-COVID effect where I saw so many school dropouts and the parents didn't even have how to take them back to school. Now, these were a pool of so many children, 19 years, 20 years, out of school, no qualification, nothing to do. And I cannot predict what they were going to be. But we had most of these men come to our program and they acquired assets and we were discipling them, adding the impact. And one of them, along the way, got a mental illness. He came with the dreams, with the hope, with in support of the family. And just six months down the road, he gets a mental illness. He can no longer ride this asset. And he has already invested part of his uh, monies that he had done. And at that point, they saw themselves losing out. I am happy that the mother was very committed to make sure that the son's dream comes to a reality. And she kept coming through and were engaging with them. Our spiritual teams were going to pray with this family, trying to encourage them to keep them aligned. And in the process, as three months went on, we saw a lot of overdues accumulating on this asset. But then there was this dream that we didn't want to die. And I am happy that the mother was able to get another person who kept riding the bike and now paying to the mother of this boy. And as they kept paying, she would also use part of the money to keep meeting her weekly installment. So she kept bringing the weekly installment as we encourage the family, as we pray with them, and as we keep checking in to make sure that this young man's dream becomes a reality. 
I am happy that they had to clear this alone and they own this asset. The boy is still struggling. I am glad that he has been improving. I am glad that he gets a time and he knows it is pure flow. They are praying for me. I know there is a Judith who looks out for me. That love and care shared with the family. And even after ownership, now this asset is helping them to get some weekly revenues that help to buy some of the best needs at home and also to take care of the hospital bills of this gentleman. I love that. There's many stories like that that come out weekly as we get to serve more and more people in more and more locations. And there's a few that I think of specifically, but they were perceived one way in their community, as Judith had mentioned. And uh, even more recently, and part of our prayer and our vision is that what we do at the table at our locations, that weekly fellowship when they pay, we're actually hoping that would multiply back into the communities where they would go in places that we cannot go, that we're not going to set up a location for whatever reasons. And we are starting to see it even in the last two years. We had a, a member and he was perceived one way as a drunk, uh, very inconsiderate, not caring about anybody but himself. And he was taking the loan with Pure Flow and he was paying. And then he started coming to the fellowships and God started doing something in his life. As he was transformed in his kind of view of why he was even on earth, his wife caught wind of this. And next thing you know, they're like, we need to start these fellowships in our home, in our community. And like, so they started inviting people that would never otherwise touch Pure Flow. They would never come into our doors. And they're now serving them in their community and our our spiritual growth team that you heard Judith mention, that's represented at all of our branches. Those are employees of PureFlow. They're on the team and they're serving these members. And then they're also going into these members' homes and helping them kickstart these fellowships. So God is doing some amazing things and the impact is far and near that we're seeing. Thank you for sharing those stories. I could sit here and just listen all day to stories like that. So for our KHE employees, you're part of this. The work that you're doing is contributing to that 10% that gets attributed to the KHE Cares Foundation every year and then is then used in this impact investing as Rusty shared earlier. So Jared and Judith, can you help us understand a little bit about how the funds from KHE Cares are helping PureFlow? Yeah, of course. An individual fund foundation as the Kehi Cares Foundation is, they're set up with a philanthropic mindset, right? And as those accounts grow or diminish, a good stewardship decision is typically to put that money in the market and it slowly is growing while you're able to find opportunities to give it. That's how most foundations are set up or most funds or individual giving accounts. What impact investing allows is it's giving people like PureFlow, we're a for-profit company. Just to make that clear, like we are pursuing excellence, our profitability is what allows us to grow, to serve more people. What impact investing allows us to do is do it alongside people who are aligned on the mission. And so for a KHE Cares Foundation, instead of just keeping the money in the public markets where they're very disconnected from the impact, a company like PureFlow can take the funds and use them and then repay them with interest like the market would while having a very aligned impact to what the foundation's goals are, right? Social impact, economic impact, spiritual impact. And so we are very much aligned in that. And we're so grateful that Kehi and our path at PureFlow crossed so that we could partner. And that's what we view Kehi as, is a partner in this vision that's bigger than any one of us. And we are seeing the result of that. When we use these funds, we go right to buy motorcycles and we're buying motorcycles up front and then we're lending on them and then we're repaying on that loan. And so it's been a phenomenal opportunity for us to continue to grow alongside great people like Katie. So thank you. Thank you, Judith and Jared, for helping our KHE employees understand how the work that they're doing every day contributes to the impact that the KHE Cares Foundation is able to make through investing in organizations like PureFlow. It's up. Frazier and it's great working with you. 
Yeah, thank you guys so much. And just for the one that's listening right now, I just would want to remind you that sometimes we're in the middle of the forest and all we can see is the tree next to us. But times like this, we can step a little bit higher and look down and see the beautiful thing that's being created and the story that's being written that we're a part of. So thank you. And we're excited for the future. Garkehi employees, if you want to learn a little bit more about PureFlow, visit their website at pureflowboda.com. Mm-hmm.